This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Educational Triage. This is Tony, and I'm joined today with the incredible, incomparable Philip Summers. Aloha, it's me, Philip. How are you doing, Tony? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> you came up with a kind of a DJ voice, so I thought I would, too. How are you doing? Oh, okay. Um, hey, listen. Today, we are going to be talking about... What is it? Remind me. Oh, it was Newsday. You said you want to do some articles, uh, some current We did, things. and so this is kind of our first one, but tell yeah. us about your first... Tell us about our first and only story that we're going to do today, because it really is... It's somewhat we might get into some other stories but for now let's just talk about this one and so you're going to lead yeah. us off with this what is it well this one I, I was searching around and i found um i found the usual stuff i go all over the place tony's more of a print guy i'm kind of a video and see what's happening <laughs> and i stay away from uh, big titles like the world's gonna end and uh, we're all gonna die things because you know those aren't worth anything but i did i did come across a cnbc report, it said uh, why the educational system is failing in America, which is fairly alarming. However, the sources, you know, it, it looked like it was worth looking at. And so I, I watched it and it was a um, it was an enticing uh, piece. I thought there was some good points in it. I agreed with many. Um, mm -hmm. it, it had uh, a lot of logic to it. It was well thought out. It had a good um, chronological sort of pattern to why things were the way they were. Um, I have my, I have a couple of things I could add to that too, um, that I could support, but yeah, it was about, uh, gosh, uh, 15 minutes long, something like that. That there was that, the initial parts of, um, I really truly agreed with, uh, um, it, what there was, the first premise was the reasons that, um, they kind of came up with the reason common core, was sort of the central feature of why it was failing. It, it wasn't, there's no one thing of why uh, the, there's a big failure in American education, but Common Core was sort of the way it, it came down is the path that focused everyone toward it was Common Core. Originally, no child left behind, I might add, when Common Core really focused it in. Right. No, no child left behind started off this. Um idea that schools had to have rigor and so they started cutting yeah. things like they started cutting pe they started cutting recess time they started eliminating as much as possible because everybody said that 
we need to focus in on instruction time yeah. and learning time for the kids. So we really have to do that. And then Obama came right, up with race, race to the, the top. top, which which re, which reinforced we, everything. It used to actually it started but, with uh, Senator Patrick Monahan and the, why Johnny can't read in the late 60s, which alarmed um, yeah. America that we were falling behind in the international competition for smart kids because of testing. Right. And then we nation, had at, nation risk. at risk. And you know what they did? They did some research back into the sick, those kids in the 60s and the early 70s who took those tests mm -hmm. and why they were falling behind. They, you know, because we remember our nation had sent people to the moon and such. We were really at the forefront of, of scientific and mathematical innovation and, and in many ways still are really still are. And how is that if we're failing in mm -hmm. these tests? It was because we had this attitude. One of them was we had this attitude in America. The kids didn't care. They would quite frankly on these tests fill in bubbles or they, it wasn't really the attitude on the test that they really should have had. Whereas, Kids in Japan, it was the test. It was a social value to really value the test. It was how their school systems really ran. And in many places all over the globe, especially Eastern Europe and under communist bloc countries, the test was supreme. In America, it was sort of a joke. I remember that myself. No one told us why we were taking them. And so a lot of times the kids just didn't really take it seriously. And so... <laughs> I remember... I remember taking an intelligence test. I remember testing, grade. but I never took it. And here I was, five years old, yeah. taking this test. And I went home and I said, we took an intelligence test today. And my mom said, oh, what words didn't you understand? And I told her. And she said, you should know those words. And I'm like, I'm five years right. old. It's, I remember <laughs> just not knowing. They go, okay, we're going to do these tests. And I thought, okay. I, and it's not the same value as it is across the globe. And so we weren't that dumb, but yeah. And they took a lot away from the kids to make sure they do well in these darn tests. But like you said, we have the same capacity mm -hmm. in our students and in ourselves to be as competitive mm -hmm. as other countries. The difference is the culture. Exactly. The culture of the school, the culture of the family the culture of the community, the culture of the country. Now, I know somebody who teaches at a German school. In fact, he's, I, he might mm, be wow. the headmaster. And he was saying, here mm. in America, it's nothing for a parent to receive a phone call from the school, usually. In Germany, if the school calls your parents... That is one of the most deafening, one of the most, it's the worst thing that could possibly mm -hmm. happen. You do not do anything that would bring about a phone call home. You have disrespected right. your family, which I found yeah. really interesting. And I said, and, and. I spoke to other people and they said, well, yeah, because parents expect you to go there, behave, fall in line and learn, do what you're supposed to do. Here in the States, though, we give all kinds of what's yeah, leeway. Maybe. I mean, we do. 
but we, and we don't really have as much no. parental support as possibly it's almost like it's a parental countries. extension of their freedom we're cowboys we're capitalists we're individuals no one's going to tell an american what to do and it almost extends to our kids listen son they tell you what if you come across a bully you kick them right there or you come tell me and i'll take care of it kind of thing and it's it's not it's a cultural value to almost be i'll take care of it or i'll stick up for you or i'm an individual it's really an american value we're but that's not saying that the no. Germans or the French or the English or the other people. Oh, aren't they're, the same no, they're not saying they don't possess what same I'm qualities, saying, but it's not one of their values to be really have, individualistic, like almost defiantly so. Like, I'll show this storm. I'll stand out here. You know, it's almost we, sometimes Americans are very extreme in their individualism. It really achieves a lot, you know, like the, the, like the SAS, SAS in, in Britain say, you know, who dares wins. But it's also very consequential if you don't. You know, Americans are very individualistic, very. And it kind of shows. <laughs> well, yeah. But the problem is, is that where you have parents who have high expectations yeah. for their kids in other countries, yeah. those same expectations aren't here because the parents send you to school. Sure, they expect oh, you know. to learn. But it's also a babysitting. No, I mean, service. I knew that. I mean, I, I certainly sent my son to to school, and he ended up graduating with a three point nine something. But um, and he knew it. he enjoyed it. Right. He did the school thing well. He knew it wasn't a babysitting service. He did uh, got two varsity letters and only because they had a terrible football team and they ran out of linemen. He was a big kid and he played it before. <laughs> it was kind of strange, but yeah, I mean, he just he, he was he just did the thing well. Um, yeah, uh, I, I knew they wouldn't babysit him. Um, yeah, I, not all of it. It wasn't like, yeah, he did really well. And so did my other son, but he went to junior college. Uh, and my Both my daughters, my other daughter went to the alternative and did really well. And my other daughter is sort of bohemian and she graduated with a diploma. So I don't, I think it's, I think some mm -hmm. of them do. I, <laughs> I think that there is more, yeah. there are more people who are feel that there is an obligation by the schools to watch their kids while yes. they're at work. Or what am I going to do if you're not going to do it? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so as, as I mean, you know, you're the one to 14% right. yeah. of outcomes mm -hmm. happen at the school and the rest of them are outside. So how much are the parents actually reinforcing what the students learn at school, yeah. working with them to do that? And how we do you work with that. parents? How do you work with the parents? Yeah. And we have talked about this in the community where the parents don't have mm -hmm. much of an education at yeah. all. And the other story that we might get to today, yeah. I hope, possibly, is one on the reading failures, which is humongous. So, so, yeah, okay. when you so, get to that common core issue, I, though, when you get to that testing to that say, gets forward, it got, like you said, right. removed those things that were fun about school, the recess time, the um, PE and music really reduced. Well, they're necessary. Those are all necessary for yeah. students to build relationships. And when they talk about how there's been an explosion in ADHD well, among students, 
guess what? Young boys, because of the way that their brains are wired, they have to have those breaks where they can run around like maniacs so that they can focus and everything else can settle back down so that because without that, yeah, they're going to have too much energy. A little visual uh, uh, research has... I've found that there are also some young girls that are getting up going, I'm going, wow, there's a little mm-hmm. female population doing a little hyperactive mm-hmm. behavior. And, you know, another thing, too, I've right. noticed is uh, uh, there's some people mentioning flow states, which involves a ton of focus and where it goes and how it goes there. And, but they're uh, coming from the angle of focus itself. So they're saying, and our focus is being stolen by devices and by things that are trying to steal it from every place, you know, television, people, just it's being delivered in such bite-sized pieces. We don't really have a long focus thing. For example, when we read a screen, we read in a pattern that goes in almost like a Z. We go across the top, we scroll down, we go across the bottom and we scan. And it's not the same as a page, a written page. It's almost like our focus is being hijacked. And focus, of course, flow states is that focus settles into a calm, central state where it's just the most relaxed, easy place to be. Your learning is just hypered. It's you're, you're calm. You lose track of time. Everything is so much easier, whether you're cooking something or skiing a slope. It doesn't matter. And, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just getting to the point where that focus is being hyper vigilant you know now we must learn this problem focus now focus now and no you must not release your energy on the on the playground or in music or in pe yeah right and so there is um you you alluded to that you know the tv (laughs) back in the early 80s with the release of Uh, mtv The clips of MTV and the music videos, because they were spliced so shortly together, they talked about how that was shortening people's attention spans. And they, I want to say that they called it the MTV effect, but they applied it in more as they went through. And so, because that's how things are edited now. Is that they're quick? They started with the songs and too, and they started hitting the radio. No song could be more than two hours and thirty or two minutes and thirty seconds. They were used to cut the heck out of songs. Mm-hmm. Well, even like when they went on the radio in like nineteen fifty two or nineteen fifty eight and nineteen sixty two. Oh. Like, if it went to the radio, it could be no more than like two minutes and thirty seconds. Well, Don McLean. Yeah, after a while, like I can't remember the first band when the Beatles came. Like, okay, I guess whatever. (laughs) So, what happened historically is the fact that they realized that one state and another state and another state, they weren't aligned. So, if let's say that for some reason or other you became a refugee from this state and you ran over to let's say Michigan and you went to school there, that things were going to be really Mm -hmm. different when you got there. Or they might be similar, but they're still not going to be the same. So they wanted to have a national standard, and that's when they started forming the Common Core Curriculum, which not every state... They never did from the very beginning, so it wasn't common. (laughs) 
Right. It was well, close it was to common. pretty common. But that's like reading the next but, to the last of the Mohicans, which no one ever read. <laughs> but it's 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 I don't know. It seemed as though they tried to get it so that everybody would be compliant and the kids would all be able to do the same thing rather than focus in on what are the basics and how are we getting kids to read? How are we getting them to write? How are we get because right. without reading and yes. writing and mathematics, which I, I might state right now have, for the record, I never had a problem with. And I always enjoyed having that standard used that standard and when I felt a student achieved that standard in the reading and writing was like praising them to the rafters going, you did it. I now deem you competent to go out mm -hmm. in that world. I couldn't do the math, but I did the English. That was my shtick. And I, and I felt good about that. What they did around it and after right. it was atrocious, but getting to that standard helped me immensely. You know, it gave me a benchmark I could use. And so there's, well, they still, they're still rolling out yeah. dog and pony shows. They're still yeah. doing all kinds it's, of it's stuff. It's a very simple thing and, they've made into you know, absolute travesty. And when you have so many students who are still failing algebra. <laughs> I don't know much about math, but how are they going to mess which it up is required, that I, They must be awful teachers. And in order to graduate from high school, they have to be able to have algebra, mm -hmm. geometry, and possibly algebra two or another and i am not a genius but if they haven't achieved it yet they must university. be doing something terribly wrong or it's too high in a standard and you know i know that's just taboo to talk about but not everybody has to have a standard that high it's just not necessary and someone would say it's a necessary mode of thinking i disagree i do i just unless you can do it with and convince me of otherwise and i've tried to be convinced and look for it but no one ever steps up to try if i believe that what they need to do is they need to figure out a way to graduate math one level at a time and scaffold it yeah, year after not year after year something you cannot you cannot allow a student to move forward until they have right the basics you can't, down. if it takes till they're 24 and then that's wrong too long that. it's your fault i mean you, you can't fault the kid right. right and you can't say well the kids hate math well guess why mm -hmm. guess why they hate it it's because they haven't been taught it yeah. so that they can achieve it if a kid is able to do something right. and they become comfortable with it I it's always, if I can't teach something like four different ways at least, then I can't teach it. And if a kid says, I hate this class, that's on me. It really is. It you know, is because that's their frustration. Yeah, I though. have to be able to, to make it teach to learnable. It's my job. It's not the content. It's my job to be the teacher, which kind of brought us to this other point mm -hmm. about common core is it common core just handcuffs you it, it it really took away so many options that a teacher can utilize to just for the sake of standardizing the time and the teaching it it just doused creativity and it made me in particular and many others miserable teachers which is what do you is. want to know a little secret it's, 
Yeah. I took, I, I did take trainings. Oh, I had trainings well, in it. Yeah. But oh. I, and, and, and doing proficiency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I never really looked or paid much attention to it until I had to begin yeah. writing curriculum. And when I looked, when I started writing the curriculum for high school completion mm -hmm. and credit recovery programs, it was a wide open, it, it was. Well, that's not what I was talking about per se. <laughs> I was, I was talking about. What are you talking about? Um, it took away the time because everyone coordinated around the curriculum itself, like the time to be spent. Mm -hmm. And so they hyper-focused on that and they took away, like I had a rock wall and I used to dedicate my time to like, you know, maybe an hour on that rock mm -hmm. wall. And, you know, we'd kind of relax and maybe kick around a subject, maybe not. That time went away. I, I never used that rock wall after um, 2006 or seven gone seriously couldn't get seriously. near again we couldn't go there because we had to, the kids had to go to reading remedial reading at this time special ed had to work with these students we couldn't get together to go to the rock wall anymore um i was told to use textbooks you know kind of urged you know i was even on the textbook committee to pick them and i didn't use them that's when that yes. was when that came out i was kicked i was kicked out of different textbook committees because I was told not to waste my time. I was put on one. And to focus oh. and to focus on X, oh. Y, and Z. And I said, but I teach all of these things, so I need to be in there. No, we want your hmm. focus to be here. That yeah. explains So it. as we went through, okay. you know, people focused on it. And I did not know this, but people in the colleges and the universities were being taught to teach in a more standardized way. They were just accepting it more and more. Either they went in from college or high school and went into college or college was patterning this or they were just getting it somewhere because they were starting to get more and more at ease with teaching from the book or accepting being told what to teach and how to teach it. Because I was starting to see these teachers applying pressure to me to teach on a calendar and get with the program and use textbooks to the point where this famous episode came up where I was asked, why don't you use a textbook? And I misunderstood it as a question when it was a directive. And I answered honestly and said, I never use textbooks. <laughs> and I should have understood right then the blade came down on my head. I sealed my fate, honestly. It was like, yo, this guy's gotta go. He's like poison, it was true. They let, you never use textbooks. It was like sacrilege. <gasps> it was terrible, but true, yeah. That's well, what <laughs> I will tell you, I will tell you, I was dictated that I needed to have a curriculum written for right. each one of my classes. And I was teaching, and, and that meant for economics, mm -hmm. algebra one, geometry, English, English a a seven, eight, plan. nine, 10, 11, 12. I had to do it for... Um, Wow, for English, oh, oh, for science. So we had geography, we had biology, and, and I can't remember the other stuff that I was teaching. 
So what I did was I looked at each class and I decided I made a determination as far as what they needed to do in the book. And I said, I am not doing this oh. without a fight. I said, because you are now taking away the community of well, my exactly. classroom and forcing my students. And they said, but your students, I said, my students exceed it, in the state standards matter. testing yeah. in everything. But they said, no, yeah, exactly. Matter. It didn't matter. They had to comply. Mm -hmm. And so we started out doing it. And then somehow or other, things weren't going the way that they yeah, wanted them to go. Just take away your creativity. And you, that's how you reach your students. It's like when they wanted me to teach history and they're talking about a standard in history. I mean, the concepts in history and how people interact can be taught, but that's not why I got a black studies degree. That's not why I studied like world history instead of like just focused on where it's usually taught. And they want me to do it where it's usually taught again. It's like, no, I purposely rebelled against that. And now you want me to just fall back in yeah. line? Did we move backward? Yes, we did. And no one understands yeah, that. We did. And that's the kicker. I'm, I'm saying it again and again. The world's not waiting for us to catch up. And we're teaching kids how to do school in 1950. And it's not getting any better. And we're going, what's wrong? <laughs> well, the problem is, is the, 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 the penultimate problem with this whole thing yeah. that we're talking about right now with us being forced is the fact that it took away from what alternative well, it took away from what education uh, what, what and it, education all of education is well yeah, yeah right what education should be too should but be. should be and and was going toward and should have been mm -hmm. and where we yeah. were making headway where we were just yeah. we were going but i but, i know who i know who made that dictate and they became a state politician yeah well, you know, so, that's what CNBC this, and, this thing said the same thing. It took away the creativity. Right. It took away the creativity. It took away a lot. It it did, and, and then it also, it also pointed out the fact that it wanted the schools to be like making up for all of everything else, like poverty and, and, and just lower, the lower neighborhood uh, crime rate or the high crime rates in neighborhoods. And just like, well, why isn't this school performing? Yeah. <laughs> well... Well, because now they all of a sudden, apparently with state with the Common Core and the state standards, teachers then mm -hmm. became social workers. We became lia yeah. family liaisons. We became psychologists, psychiatrists. We became all a multitude of different things. Yeah. And we're still paid. We're still paid. 20% less than what we would be paid in the Actually lost, lost to a year, our years to the cost of living. We're behind big time. Well, this yeah. year, Still, I mean, it's worse. I remember somebody saying that they received a 5% pay raise. And somebody said, no, actually, you received a 2 pay or 3% cut. pay cut because inflation yep. is 7%. So you got a cut in pay. You might feel that you made headway mm. with that 5%, but no. Well, so, okay, the pay, you have all these other roles that are going <clears throat> on. And then the unions, the unions whose job it is to make sure that teachers are safe, to make sure that teachers' and, rights and to are negotiate followed, their contracts. have decided yeah, to become sure they're, they're, they're represented right. as a body. And that's so what that they're, they're for. Yeah. 
Right. They started getting their little fingers dirty in the making of the mm -hmm. Common Core curriculum. Now, what the unions are doing in the Common Core curriculum, I have no idea. That should not have anything to do with the unions. No, I mean, how many unions actually get involved in the setup of a factory, yeah, uh, etc., well, right? Or maybe they do a little bit, but not in the implementation of how you yeah, build because, a car. Well, so when the Trump administration just cut funding to all of it anyway, I mean, you know, because uh, they went like slash and burning. They took all a bunch of the funding out of anything left of the of the reach, race to the top. Common, remember that it became race to the top mm -hmm. and then Common Core sort of the feature. It's there and everyone's sort of dancing over the, what's left of the campfire of Common Core. But Trump came and poured a bucket of water on it. <laughs> so there's really nothing left. But they still the states kind of act like it. There's 20 states that just took off from it. And they said, this is just not worth it. And it's not. But a bunch of states are still acting like it is because they've invested that that emotional, mental and uh, financial thing into it. And so mm -hmm. that's where the unions are kind of getting involved going, whoa, that's something to fight over. And it may or may not be, but that's kind of developed into a conflict center. And you're right. <laughs> I don't think the unions have any business in it. It's like it's always should have been up to the teachers. They're they're, they're the curriculum keepers. Right. It's they're the ones who <laughs> know what they're doing. Talking. And don't yeah. don't feed me, don't feed me the caca about people in the uh -uh. teachers union, the officers and no. teachers unions, are teachers and are and I'm going to use air quotes educators. An educator is a person who works right. directly with the students and educates them. A principal is not an educator. A superintendent mm. is not an educator. The, a principal and other building administrators are just that. They My are managers. rep is he, he maybe an educator, but I'm an educator as much as he is. He just happens to work in a place that represents all of us as a collective. It doesn't make him a better teacher. Yes. So I don't want him representing me. Yeah. And they don't hold <laughs> dominion. They hold no dominion right. over us because we can oust them just as. Yeah, we're co-teachers. We yeah, it doesn't Yeah, it doesn't make him a better teacher than I am. So, right. yeah, the curriculum should be ultimately in the hands of the teachers. And we really lost sight of that. It's that want to control over them and because there's a lot of paranoia going on. <laughs> there is. And yeah. then the pandemic hit. So I kind of agreed with them, you know, that you have the common core, which dictates that, that, that central curriculum. Then they, the administrators mm -hmm. hand down this, okay, you read this script to which I firmly say no. And most educators do. And, and those that do stay are just gotten horrible morale. And uh, there's this huge fight over the curriculum. And then you said the unions get involved. No one has any business because if you're a competent teacher, you should be a competent teacher and, and you, that's your right. curriculum and you should know what you're doing. So, so what are the solutions? <laughs> well, again, that's what I think it, it's the curriculum should go back to the teachers and, and the, it's the, it's going top down is what's happened. You know, the, the administrators are telling the teachers, here's your script. That's no good. We all know it's way hot, top heavy on the administrators and the curriculum should go back down to the teachers. And I want, and I want the listeners to understand or to ask how long did your administrator, your superintendent, or anybody in your 
district office in your central office, how long did they spend in the classroom and were they in the classroom or any classroom that would be even close to what you're working in? Do they have any kind okay. of experience? Because I worked with a superintendent who spent two years teaching second grade. I had, a, I had one building administrator who was a PE teacher, claimed to have worked in alternative ed, but had absolutely no clue what he was talking about. Had no, I had no interest in anybody's classroom, really. Mm -hmm. All he cared about was whether or not he could get something out of it to make him look good. Another one who had taught fourth grade and second grade. And I mean, and we had a director of curriculum who had never set foot in a classroom. Yeah. Aside from being a student, <laughs> he had no idea. He didn't know what curriculum construction was or how to play it out. He didn't know anything. And yet he's dictating all these things. Mm. So this these are reasons why teachers want to get out. Mm -hmm. Because they love the kids. They want to be there for the kids. But when they have these inept, incompetent, out-of-touch, nanny pickles telling them what to do, yeah, I don't know what to do about it, except it it's hard. take the military model on, you know? It's kind of like teachers of the non-coms. They're the sergeants, and the kids are the <laughs> troops, you know? And, they, and do, the, do the officers, the administrators, really want the troops in their office? <laughs> well, no. I, actually, I actually think that's a really good idea Yeah, for teachers to rise up and to tell them no. You know, it's, it's getting to the point where they might as well because they're working for pennies on the dollar and they've got no respect. And they say that teachers are appreciated and there's a shortage of them, but they're not hiring teachers. They're hiring paraeducators and just telling them what to do. What to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because teachers are too smart to accept that. And they think that's well, that's getting by, but people are not liking it. And they don't have a choice. And that's a problem. It just mm -hmm. is. And I don't know how long, how much longer it can go on, but that's the problem. It's not the teachers, it's not the kids. It's this, the system that accepts this substandard behavior and calls it okay. It's not okay. Right. So that tells you, I mean, yeah. teachers don't believe that administrators really care. Teachers are disposable. They're dispensable. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole so, system is just woefully built. It's just not supported. So give me some solutions. Well, I mean, right now, me? You think, well, let's I, That's, let's a, that's a whole show. Solutions. Allow me to walk away and get some notes. I can come back. I've, got, I've had my ideas what over are, the years, but I mean, I don't venture to try to get that. I would love for people to write into us and give us some yeah, solutions. Yeah, you know, I, I just... You know, I've got this. The solution is you don't build a big school. The solution is you build those big relationships. The solution is that's expensive. And the solution is nobody wants to pay for it. I've the solution been, is that you, if you were to up the taxes and if you were, yeah. to, or maybe well, not send so much money overseas and spend the money that you need to spend domestically yeah. and put that into education 
instead of into big guns and wars mm. and overseas involvement that doesn't need to be happening. It takes a kind of an over, over, I don't know, an overconsciousness, Overhaul? an overconsciousness. Like we have to start thinking about schools as smaller places in neighborhoods or, you know, where there's like the Durham Ed Center was, you know, that, that quirky little building. They're not like school schools or maybe school schools stay, but more schools just become small. I think you have, I think that you have, yeah. You do have yeah. the the um, people to fill the school schools. Yeah, I think they'll that, be around. But you, then you also need to be able to mm -hmm. take kids and bring them into smaller environments. Much smaller, you know, like maybe even dance studio type. 35 kids who focus on one thing and, you know, let it evolve and let it. Let it happen. Are you saying going, going with Peter Gray, going the Peter Gray yeah. way, where the kids I, determine what they're going to do? Maybe in some place. And they set their own, certainly they set their own in goals, some place, and then they yeah. direct their own course of study. I could certainly run a school like that. Yeah. Learn their math through relevance. They learn yes. the reading and writing abilities. That they I love a school like relevance. that. So yeah. every student that you have, let's say that you have 12 students in your class, every one of them might be working on something mm -hmm. else, but then they might be working with each other and yeah. confabbing with each other and doing things. And, and so, can just keep on getting better and better at it until they right? start making money at it. And that's called a career. I mean, it's, oh, wow. Jeez. I guess we're going to graduate you soon. You're already making money at this kid. <laughs> I would also say that we don't necessarily need to keep pointing kids in the direction of colleges and oh, universities. We have to stop that. It's just, it's start. We've made it not worth it. We have made it not worth it. Because so many kids look at me and they say, What's the point of graduating high school? I'm not planning on going to college. Well, that's just got that. That's not relevant. I think that that's not something that can well, be argued. It's not. You need to graduate with a basic level of skills because you need to communicate with the rest of humanity. But do they really need? Yeah. Do they really need a high school education? I don't think so. Not if we'll to, not if what high school is offering is a common core. No, I would say challenge that system. I say enough of the people that don't get a high school education and leave and go forward and be successful without one makes it irrelevant. And I think they should worry about that. So. Kids need structure. Yeah. Teachers need to be able to have a structure in which they can provide that structure. Mm -hmm. But they also need to have a structure that builds morality and builds upon their strengths yeah. rather than one that's dic dictative. We know how to... Is that a word? Dic yeah. Dictative. Dictative? Dictative? Or dictative. Yeah. Dictatory? Dictorial. Dictorial. Yeah. Oh, Dictorial. There okay. We hit it. Wrote, you know, that's yeah, we're yeah, yeah it's just yeah, I've, I've got my ideas on that. Yeah, we, we're, we have we're on the verge of stepping past rote education. Like I said, it should it could be that the high school diploma may disappear, it may become completely meaningless very soon. Hmm. I don't know that that's true. I'm seeing it, I can see it, I can see it, and I'm not the smartest feller. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed, but I can see how it could just make itself meaningless. Yeah. Because huh. they're not sensitive. They're just not getting it. 
They're filling roles of teachers and paraeducators and giving them scripts to read. Nobody wants to be in a place like that. No. And no, but I think most teachers are getting around it. It's, but here's the thing when you have these people who come in and they dictate, your students need to do X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. in order to get their credits done. Mm -hmm to make up their credit for this other class, which is AQP instead of XYZ. And the, and it just doesn't match up. And so you say, no, we're trying to do AQP. And they say, no, 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 we won't allow that. Yeah. They're not looking at what's in the best interest of the student. That's exactly it. And I don't think any of this does. And I think we need to bring the students to the forefront. They keep talking about creating student-centered curriculum, but it's all it's 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 all a bunch of that's hot crazy air. making because they don't know what it is. They're actually that's what the gaslight. Yeah, is. that's the master gaslight yeah. because they say we're here for the students, but here's what you're going to do because they really don't care because when they're in administration, if we talked about, cause we did, we talked about education, the education corporation yeah. and the education money machine, right? which is huge. If I wanted to go to the education week marketplace conference, it would have cost me something like, I think it was 1200 or $1,500. If you were, well, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what they charge. So you can go there and see the latest educational innovations. Yeah. And this was just this was just the price of admission. That's not including the flight, the meals, yeah, the yeah. hotel, blah blah blah. <laughs> per so person. Um, that was easily and they're teaching so, what they're giving you is what they sanction per se. Mm -hmm. uh, and what they've taken a look at uh, and what they endorse uh, exactly approve. but yeah. they're because it sounds like the next best thing the next best thing is actually right here it's kind of like what frank l Baum would say there's no place like right home. because home is where it's all created this is where we have we were instructed we have the tools in order to create and teach the students exactly what it is that they need. And if we don't, we know what resources we need to have. Mm -hmm. We don't need you to go out and spend that money. So instead of spending that money, put it back into teachers. Instead of hiring more and more administrators and more staff to fill the district offices, put that into teaching and into the students. <laughs> I just remind him of a little story. It's like, here's how smart I am. <laughs> that would go to these conferences and they go, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this thing here. It's got all these cards and we're going to do this. We're going to, here's this thing. And, and it's really important that we do this and that. And I would look at it and go, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. And, oh, yeah. and I'd copy off this and I'd copy off that. And I'd take like just the best things from it. <laughs> and that's what I'd use. And over the years, I got this really good file of like all the best things from all of these things I was supposed to use. And I'm really <laughs> smart when I think about it because it's like, that's what makes me a good educator. I took only the best things from all these things. I got this really good folder of really good things, really, really great things from all of those, but I never used the script. 
It was like, I was always just looking for the tidbits of good things. And some things had really great things in them. Some were garbage, but that's what a good educator is supposed to do. I'm an editing machine. I'm intelligent. I know how to transcribe to the student. I don't know how to read a script. I don't, I'm not a salesman. That I was never a salesman. Salesmen read the script and they give it heart and soul. That ain't me. I'm the heart and the soul. I read the script, <laughs> but yeah. I read it my way. Well, yeah, I guess. I, I think it was you just synthesizing what you know about it all and putting it into the thing you need to deliver is what I did. Well, I just wanted to make sure that the students actually were, one, listening, and two, yeah. getting the information that they needed to right. And if I thought something was ridiculous, I said, no, we're going to skip exactly. that part. Exactly, yeah, or add a story, you know, or, hey, today's right. just too heavy, so we'll we'll just do the lighter part of this topic. Tomorrow we'll do the heavier part. It, it's just mm -hmm. knowing people. It's not, uh-oh, it's Tuesday. We must be doing lesson three. That I've seen st teachers do that. I've been taught that way, and that ain't no way to learn. No, and I was thrown <laughs> into a scripted program with very little training. There was supposed to be, that it was yeah. that it was mandated that there were several, that there were X number of hours of training that had to go into this. And I found out what my assignment was and I walked up to the vice principal and I said, um, when do I start training? And he goes, for what? And I said, this class you put me in. He goes, what class is that? And he said, Oh, oh, well, you were supposed to set that up. And I said, since when? When was I supposed to set up a training uh -huh. that for a class that you put me in that you say requires specific training? He said, well, who did you call? And I said, I'm talking to you. I don't know who to call. Can we make that call? So I ended up going in late. They made a concession for me. They got me in late. I had one day of training and I started the next week with no textbooks. <laughs> with no tools. So you didn't have the training or the tools. And they said, well, get them copied at the copy center. And I said, I can't because other teachers are, I, I would get a few pages done, but I have teachers because we were short on textbooks and all the copies that had to be done had to go through one copy center and we had textbooks being copied by teachers all over the district oh, and man. so it took a month and a half i know what happened for me to get i them. know what happened this is before you got your magic license for being a teacher so you have to certain amount of years you get a magical <laughs> license or it just happens magically <laughs> You just materials appear in the knowledge forms and you can just go anywhere. Oh my gosh. I get, sometimes I get that as a guest teacher. They, they give me like, just put this up on the screen and it's like, A, I can't access the email B on this or like the tech goes sideways and it's like me and like third, no, maybe 20 kindergartners in 45 minutes. It's nightmarish. <laughs> Well, th this this program also only allowed for, I think it was for like 18 students to be in this class. Oh, wow. It was a remedial class. And you had. 
And the counselors had me up to 20. <laughs> I had, I was not going to be able to break it into the groups that I was supposed to be able to break it into because I didn't have enough computers. I didn't have enough textbooks. I didn't have enough of this other stuff. And so I was told, wow. deal with it. Yeah. And I yeah, said, I'm not going to deal with it because according to my contract, I if uh, this is untenable. So I yeah. went back to that assistant principal and I said, what's the deal with this? Because the counselors tell me that they, yeah. they're not taking kids out. Now, you, you didn't get me the training I was supposed yeah. to have. You've packed my classroom with too many students. Do you want me to work here or are you asking me to stay or leave? <laughs> they said, no, 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 no. We need you. And I said, well, I can't teach this class. You're going to have to break that out somehow. Yeah. And he said, well, what are we going to have to do? And I said, either get me a bigger classroom because this was a tiny room. Mm -hmm. Get me more computers. Get me the damn textbooks. Or get rid of get. You're going to have to put some of these kids. So on. This is not an unusual story. I mean, it's not you. It and was, I, but, I mean, and it, I won. <laughs> That's an unusual story. And then <laughs> I, the kids were absolutely unruly. They really couldn't read very yeah. well. And then all of a sudden, this joy showed up at my door. And um, yeah. it was a TA. And she said, could you use my help in here? Oh. I said, you know, you are a lovely vision. Please. Yes. And so um, she and her husband are still close friends. And <laughs> they... Um, she helped me because she was able to monitor one group of kids right. and she took them over here and she worked with them and I was able to monitor the other two and we got the whole thing going and it worked really well. And the relationships, I mean, had great relationships with the majority of those kids and the worst one of my kids, um, he went off. I bumped into him later and I was working with his mother. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> so it was, or you work with the kids was, of the kid, but sometimes, <laughs> you know, you're in the rockiest seas yeah. and you end up with the smoothest sailing later on yeah. with, and, and the best experience. So that can, that can so occur you if you get know. what you get. A lot of times they don't, don't give you that. Yeah. It just doesn't work, but you got lucky on that one. And it's you true. had a boundary you drew. Um, so. But I believe but I believe, getting back to the topic, yeah, it's if teachers stand their ground, teachers need to stand their ground. They need to remind the administrators who's really in charge of that building. Well, and they also yeah. it's not the administrator. And if they say, "I will write you up," say, "Okay, write me up," and you write them up, and you write them up, and you get enough people standing there to be written up. And, and there and is safety in numbers. There is safety in numbers. Okay. <laughs> Well, I think we're going to wrap Let's up and have a wonderful week. Remember to check us out on Sunday and next week we will have another show for you in the middle of the week. Middle of the week. Hello. Okay. Ciao. Bye-bye.